This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Hello, welcome back to Voices of the Peace. My name is Ted Sloan, and we'd like to acknowledge that we're filming the show on the traditional territory, the Denisa. If you're just tuning in, uh, well, welcome. This show is a lot of fun, and if you've tuned in a few times, thank you, because all the feedback you've given us is amazing. This show was created because we wanted to find out more about our town. We wanted to figure out how things got there, how the Pomeroy Sports Center was made, the Culture Center, all these businesses, and we've gone, well, we've grown up with them, but what's the story behind them? What's the community behind them? We drive by Kin Park, we drive by all of these places and go, who built that? How did that get there? And this show is made to find those things out. We'd like to find those stories. We want to find those teams that built those things, the people who shaped our town. And we've partnered with a few people to help us out. So a big thank you to Urban Systems, who build vibrant communities, and also to Blue Wave Energy. My name is Ted Sloan. Welcome to Voices of the Peace. Super excited because uh, this is the first time, or second time, I guess, but the first time in a while that I've had plural guests. And these people have been part of the community for as long as I remember, but that doesn't mean that they have been here. They're not old. They're great. Anyways, quite selfishly, I remember uh, I remember wanting to be these two people because I remember taking my dogs to them. My parents took them, actually. And I remember these people answered millions of questions about my dogs. They took care of my dogs. They, it, it, ultimately, too, what happened is not only did they help me with the dog, they helped me when I had to say goodbye to my dog. So these people are, are really special. They travel all over the piece. They make sure that herds are healthy. They take care of all sorts of animals and they take care of the community around them. They educate, they heal, they support, and they're just all around amazing people to know. My next guests are Dr. Corrine and Dr. Perry Spitzer. Hello, you two. How are you two? We're well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're doing well, Ted. <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay. We've been talking lots off air, but I, I do want to start with the creation. I know because you two are, are my veterinarians, and like I said, I, meant, I bring all of my animals to you. And I was doing research, and I, you've said that the, the vet practice up here is turning 60 this year. How did it start? I, I'll talk, it's going to be difficult because there's two of us, yeah, but we'll yeah. start with you, Kareen. Uh, how did okay. it, what was one way that it started? Um, so originally, way back when in the 60s, uh, Dr. Cribb uh, came from England and he started the practice here. Okay. And I think its first practice inspection we were talking about where it became officially North Peace Vet Clinic was uh, 1963 or okay. somewhere in there. Um, and um, then my uncle actually uh, went off to vet school with the support of his family and he um, came back when he graduated and he then purchased North Peace Veterinary Clinic. So yeah, so that's how it started way back when, yeah. <laughs> well, and then the both of you I was reading because you have both done, you, you went to school, I think you were in Barhead or you were somewhere else. And then the choice was to come back to Port St. John. Can I ask why to come back? Is it, was it family? Was it the area? Was it the fact that we have some interesting things? Why did you two choose to come back here? 
Well, my roots are here. <laughs> so, uh, so Dr. Richard Wood is my uncle. So when we got married, we had an agreement that we were going to practice in each hometown. And uh, so we went to Barhead first, mm -hmm. and then the opportunity came to come back here. So we came back here, and here we are still. <laughs> yeah. Barhead was first because uh, I finished school a year before Corrine did. Okay. And that's my hometown, so that's... A natural start for me and uh, when I um, kind of got going there Corrine finished school the year after took a job at the neighboring town and then the year following moved to the barhead practice and our bosses there said that was a mistake because then our next mat leave was or our first mat leave was the year after that so, <laughs> so. <laughs> well I, might, I was gonna ask if when you came here, was it, okay, we're going to stay in Fort St. John and see it through, or was it just an adventure and now 30 years later, you're still here kind of a thing? It was a trial, I would say, because um, I had worked in the practice from a high school student, so I, I knew what it was about. Mm -hmm. um, Perry didn't, so when we first came, we thought, well, okay, we've got to see if this fits for us as a couple. Um, but yeah, we were pretty, I mean, we were pretty open to being here for a long what? time. <laughs> Perry maybe doesn't play. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was important to try yeah, both hometowns. Yeah, it was important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, we certainly had a pretty good idea what Barhead's practice was like when we moved here. And we discovered that this was a pretty good practice and a better fit for us. So, so then I had to throw off my roots and come this way. So, well, so I was uprooted to come here. Yes. <laughs> Well, we're very glad that you planted roots here. You, I mean, our community definitely hasn't been the same. So thank you. Uh, speaking of uh, planting roots here, so, and we're going through the history of it. So the, the building came in 1974, I think, and you did new renovations in 2013. But I'm curious, since your uprooting and planting here, uh, how have things how have things changed over the years, uh, both of the building and the practice? I'll, can I throw this one to you? Sure. Um... Well, my understanding is the original building was kind of a, a two-sided building so that there was a small animal facility on one half and a large animal facility on the other uh, with its uh, office or reception right dead center. So they so could, could actually talk through the window to the guy in the other room if they mm -hmm. had to. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was modified uh, several times internally and it was an addition put on just before we moved here. So when we arrived, they were starting to use some new space on the, the small animal side. And the x-ray machine was brand new, hadn't even been wired in yet when we arrived. So it was pretty current at that time. That was about 1990, okay. 1991 actually, when we arrived. And um, that's how the building was then until 20. 13 yeah. we, or 2012, I guess, when we did the, we turned ground in 2012. Didn't get in there until 13. Yeah. So, well, so when you guys, because I, I remember driving by and going, oh, it got a lot bigger because I, I had left and come back. So mm -hmm. when you did that, what, what kind of things did you put into the building? What kind of additions did you make? Oh, Dr. Green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even before we did that, I think, you know, our, um, 
our uh, previous previous owners had done quite a bit periodically they were always very keen about improving it so that was a, a neat legacy to kind of come into but we needed more space was the big thing um, and to do that we we just we basically doubled the size of the footprint and we uh, moved the large animal to a new area. Uh, and then we added on just more exam rooms, more internal space, more, just more space, more space, more space. We were tripping over every, you know, yeah. each other before. I used to yep. describe it as if you pulled the top off an anthill, that's kind of what it looked like in the back <laughs> of the crowded building. Mm -hmm. yeah. We would run over each other almost to use the hallways and things. So. It was nice to get a little more space and mm -hmm. and uh, more efficiently do the work, which is important. Mm -hmm. Out of curiosity, when you're looking five, ten years down the road, is it starting to look like an anthill again? Like, is it getting really <laughs> crowded now, or is it still you got some space you can um, breathe a bit? Well, if if we could staff it fully, which is more than we are now, then I don't know if we'll have to add on anytime soon. Uh, most of that kind of improvement is done in a, a stepwise program where you do an improvement and then you kind of grow into it and then the next one will be due later. I'm not sure we will be around there next time <laughs> to be added on to, but hopefully, hopefully, um, hopefully it'll, it'll supply the need. Yeah. I think there's different ways that the building, the facility can be used too, right? There's different things with hours and kind of staffing that we can make. So we, we hope it will serve for quite some time now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of serving, because we were talking a little bit before this, I hadn't realized uh, in my questioning just how things have changed medicine wise. Because we were saying how I didn't realize you're saying, okay, veterinarians were, were there to help out farm animals to make sure those moved. And then pet medicine has really has really evolved. So I was wondering if you guys could talk to how the building has definitely changed and how the practice itself has changed, maybe both as like a big veterinarian scope and in Fort St. John. Uh, how how has being a vet in 1991 changed to 2023? I'll, We'll start with. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I guess the practice itself here has come from the the basement of a house when Doctor Wood purchased it. Uh, most of the large animal work was done by traveling around to do it. Uh, a facility made the veterinarian's time more efficient because he didn't have to be driving everywhere. So then it was nice to have facility for everything in one spot. So as it grows, the facility has grown as well. Uh, large animal work has become, um, it's maybe not in more volume than before, but I think the expectations of it are pretty high and they want to have results because there's economic reasons for that. Yeah. And then uh, the, the small animal medicine side, of course, that has, it's followed along behind human medicine and dentistry and things that are done for people. And they apply that then to our, for baby family members, right? So, so I, I'm not sure that's a term I would use very much, but it's uh, how a lot of pets are now. They are family and we have to uh, look at that attachment as well right so this is a question and i know i hadn't prepped you for this question so we can <laughs> deflect away but when i'm sick and i go like my mom's a nurse love my mom she's great and when i come she knows how to fix me because i'm a human when my sister walks up she's a human 
mom knows how to fix her. But I mean, in a good day, you might see a cow, a cat, a lizard, a turtle. Like, how is it? You must have a sheer amount of knowledge of all of these things. Is it difficult to be a vet to go from human, or sorry, not from, well, from human, uh, <laughs> but from, from species to species to species? Is it, how hard is that? Uh, Dr. Green. Yeah, I think that's a challenge. And, and in our profession now, there's probably more specialization, especially in, in big urban centers. So um, one of the shortages, of, there's a big shortage of veterinarians sort of everywhere. And by that, I mean North America and the profession and everyone is trying to sort of mitigate that. But it is a challenge to keep up with with a, a broad spectrum and that that has sort of generated some specialization so in communities like the peace country where we still are rural quote unquote um and we and that's one of our goals as a practice is that we want to make sure that we can serve the basic veterinary needs of our community yes we use referral centers for more complicated things um and we offer that to clients but i think we really try to have a team that's enthused about about providing that and being available for that basic care and making sure that we can triage for people and and serve that so I don't think that's changed over time but it sometimes gets a little more complicated to deal with all of the all of the potential there's so much potential if if people want to pursue that so yeah well it's something you mentioned that was really neat we were talking too is it seems you, you you've got a few different veterinarians and they they all seem to love something different. Like I was like, mm -hmm. you have one who loves doing exotics. Mm -hmm. uh, you were saying uh, you are a multi-animal veterinarian and there's not many left of that. Um, Dying breed. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite amazing. Um, did you, when you guys became veterinarians, did you say, I'm going to just work on this? Or do you have to go into the trade and be like, I'm ready to it all? Like, do you have to be open or do you get to go in and say, I just want to work with this big animals? How does that work when you become a vet? Well, veterinary school uh, trains a generalist. Okay. And if you, well, one of the professors actually told me they, at the Western College in Saskatoon, serving Western Canada, he said they surveyed their clients, which is the veterinary practices. And he said their replies are that Western Canada still needs generalist practice. And they would like to supply people that have sort of a broad base of knowledge then. So that's where we went to school. It's the best school, of course. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and when, uh, you know, when you come from there, your license, you, you write an exam and it's a North American exam. So it's a fairly, fairly big deal. And when you pass that, you are a doctor of veterinary medicine. And it, depending on your jurisdiction, um, other than some provincial um, bylaws and things that you need to know about, you're a, you're a veterinarian, right? And you are sort of expected to be able to supply that general need, which not everybody chooses to continue being a generalist, but I think we're graduated that way. And I think we still need them in places where there isn't easy other options, right? So, so. Well, and, and especially, so again, speaking of my mom, who's in, in medicine, mm -hmm. she said that Fort St. John was a great and tough place to come to because when someone comes to you, you look around and you go, oh, I'm, that's me. I yeah. have to take care yeah. of them. Yeah. 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 So I imagine you guys 
uh, were thrown a lot of things that were out of the blue, it sounds like. And I think that was exciting for us and we we have a lot of students come as well um and then sometimes they're like wow you guys do a lot of stuff but it's part of of being in a community like ours where we have this sort of great community with all this opportunity and interesting people that that want to want to help want to want to want to provide for their animals too so uh yeah it's a fun if if yeah you know where you're, you might go to the city and you're only a spay neuter clinic and you're just vaccinating and and doing spays and neuters whereas here we get to do a lot of Everything. a lot of things right and we and we have great referral people that we can call or we can send animals to so that helps us a lot too yeah it sounds like days are never boring for you two it sounds like it sounds yeah. like there's yeah. there's routine but also like anything can happen at any time kind of Speaking of that too, this is okay. I asked this question because I didn't realize the number until they told me. Uh, because you guys go places, you do you do big animals, you do farms. Uh, it, what is the range? If I said, "Hey, I have an animal that is sick," do sometimes you guys jump in a truck and then drive to the literally to the middle of nowhere, like an hour or two hours away? Well, for one animal, that is a difficult call. Okay, because uh, if it's able to come then instead of spending two-thirds of a day to look at one animal it can come to see us and it's done on a much better time frame for the doctor right Makes sense. so it's easier for us to supply a bigger need if we don't drive as much so dr wood started that way his wife didn't always know where he was or when he was going to get home because sometimes the phone sort of followed him along the way and caught up with him before he finished his day and he had more things to do right so so communication is a little easier now and facility is better so that helps but there are some jobs that are true true emergency and something that you don't actually even want to move around and that can be a sudden trip to somewhere in the back 40 yeah <laughs> so it's most of those are within 45 minutes or an hour maybe uh, but they are big deals when it happens yeah do you ever um and we don't have to go too far into this but do you ever have a situation and you just stop and go how did i get here or look at where i am now like i i've just been, i've been talking to a couple of vets and some of the stories what you guys do is incredible um have you ever had those stories in the middle of it you go wow i'm standing out in the middle of a field doing this or does, does the adrenaline rush off later and you go home and you go oof like yeah are there some some wild stories of those kinds of things happening up here you don't have to go into them i don't want to no. uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i i think you realize that after the fact mostly mm -hmm. because what happens initially is you you make a plan and if it's going to be done uh somewhere where you travel to it the entire time your mind makes a list of all the worst possible things you're going to see and the good part is when you arrive it's way better than when you thought it was going to be right? uh -huh. <laughs> so then you can usually uh, you've gone through some things in your your own uh, repertoire before you get there so you, you usually can uh, deal with what's there and then you realize after that hey that's the first time we've ever done that or uh, that's a unique take on something mm -hmm. that is sometimes routine, but not of your time, right? So, mm -hmm. 
yeah, so it's interesting to maybe look back, uh, but I don't like to get that kind of feeling during too many <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so experience might help, yeah, I guess, yeah. because I think uh, we used to talk about, uh, and one of our young doctors told me this once. She told me once, well, I ask you these questions because she says, my book of experience is this thick. But she says, but yours is this thick. And that's why I want to talk to you about it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, that's a flattering thing and a good way to get me to answer. But uh, <laughs> uh, it is true that, you know, if you've seen things a little bit, it gives you much, um, I guess, many more options uh, because you, you realize what the limitations might be and things. So it's helpful to... Well, I'm curious because yeah. you... Sorry, no, I cut you off. You go no, first. No, it's okay. I was just going to interject there with uh, when you said, you know, our career doesn't tend to be boring. And I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And I, I can think of a couple times even this year where Perry said, well, haven't seen that before or haven't done that yet. So even after 35 years, right, this year, yeah. Perry... Perry's still, <laughs> Perry's still excited and finds new things. And I think that's the cool thing about working together as a team because we truly are a team and our younger veterinarians bring lots to the table. They bring new information and this new keenness and energy and, you know, being excited about, about things and they have so much to contribute as well. And then we have that range, you know, from our newer veterinarians all the way up to sort of more of our senior veterinarians so <laughs> more experience yeah more experience more experience yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i was gonna add because when you mentioned students um that's kind of neat at least in the in the teaching profession uh, i remember the first time an experienced teacher looked at me and went well what do you think and i remember being like i'm out of school i don't know yeah. but it was neat because they they pointed out they said well it's neat having new people because as much as i as much as my book is this I also need to keep current and I need mm -hmm. to see that. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you guys have a wonderful mix of someone who's two people have been in the field for a while, mm -hmm. plus mm -hmm. all this new information, as you said, too, sounds like the field is constantly changing. So you have to keep up to date mm -hmm. on that. So yeah, yeah your team yeah. seems really wonderful. Well, yeah, we think they're very wonderful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and also we have, you mentioned before, we have veterinarians and technicians and <laughs> everybody that's interested in different things. So we can have these little sort of referrals right in the practice that nobody even really our clients don't necessarily realize well we've actually bounced that off three other people in the back room right and mm -hmm. getting everybody's opinion especially on the more complicated things so yeah yeah so you know, now that you have the space instead of being an anti you can all sit down and what's <laughs> hey, this. Well, so to, when you talk about bouncing ideas off things something we were mentioning off um is when you have a problem and you're uh, using you're doing medicine to a person, you could just say, how do you feel? Does this hurt? Um, what's it like to work with an animal that can't necessarily communicate? You, you've mentioned that, well, you have a really good advocate there. You have the owner um, or the, the, the whoever is, is, has brought it in. But what is it? Yeah. Is it, is it frustrating? Is it hard? Is it just part of the job to be like, okay, I have to use my detective skills on this, this animal? Or... Do you get to learn how to communicate with those animals as you work more and more? I'll throw it to you. How is it to communicate with something that can't communicate back to you with well, words? The, the reality is there's not a Dr. Doolittle, right? So, so the thing is, uh, uh, one of my classmates calls it having a, a clinician's mind, he says. And that's basically you're trying to answer the questions you're asking by 
what you can find. Mm -hmm. So it's about exam and uh, laboratory tests and things like that. And if you can accumulate that evidence, then we can make maybe maybe the right call. <laughs> uh, but I think the accuracy of that gets better as you go. And, and normally our goal is to um, improve the situation. So there's not always a, a black and white cure for everything, but certainly uh, we want to try to work with what's available and what the patient has to give as well. So it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> yeah. I think Dr. Wood has said it's a veterinary medicine is science, but it's also a bit of an art, right? It's a, uh. yeah, our teachers told us that when we were in school mm -hmm. that it's, you're going to practice the art and the science of veterinary medicine. Well, to speak to the like what I mentioned in the intro, like I, I remember when my first dog passed away. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but I I've spent many an hour crying in your lobby, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's wonderful because in the midst of all this 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 clean place of of all this medicine and things, uh, you two are very good at walking out and going. And how are you? So I don't know if many people realize, and you've talked a little bit about it too. Not only are you taking care of an animal, you're taking care of a person as well, and sometimes families and sometimes businesses. Uh, so, yeah, you guys simply know a lot about everything in that way. So thank you, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. This is me saying thank you. Um, but, <laughs> um, out of curiosity, are there, I mean, that's a big part of the job, the, the client um, relation. Do you guys have a favorite part of your job or is it all kind of fun? That's a hard question because I think, yeah, favorite is just one thing. Right? So sometimes I phrase it the other way with my students and I say, okay, to, to have a top thing, really difficult. Are there favorite things? Is you're like, oh, you know what I really love is I love the mornings when I get to clean things or that's a terrible example, but like, <laughs> are there, if there was a top 15 or top 20 list, what would be some things on that list? Um, for me, I think, um, like I mentioned earlier before we, uh, when we were just chatting earlier, is that it's, it's, um, to be in veterinary medicine and I, I, whether you are one of our awesome receptionist ladies or whether you are, you know, helping us clean kennels in the back, um, you have to love animals, but you really have to love the people too. So, um, a lot of it is that people interaction and even whether it's within our own team or whether it's our clients or community, I think that's really important. And that's, that's what really, um, yeah, we want to see those animals for sure be healthy, but also uh, it's, it's a certain sense of gratification when you can sort of help that family or help that uh, livestock producer or in whatever way make it better. And then the constant challenge and change. I mean, you know, most of us in the last three years have gone through a lot of things, right? But just of being able to, okay, we've done it this way forever. Not forever, but, you know, we did it this way for a decade. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but are we going to change it up? Is there another way we can do it better? And, and I really like that of that. Okay, is there another way? Is there another way? Yeah, and trial and error and that. Yeah. That's, that's pretty inspiring. Just, it's neat when you, I always thought when I was younger that we hit a certain age and then things just went the same. And I didn't realize that as you grow older, you have to ask those questions. So mm -hmm. it's neat to hear you say that. Mm -hmm. Dr. Spitzer, do you have, do you, if you had a top 20 list, would there be anything on there? Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I, I guess uh, recently now we are uh, taking a little more student um, experience mm -hmm. and we've got uh, partnered with University of Calgary to do some of their final year student cool. experiences for mixed rural mixed practice and and small animal I think we qualify for as well. So uh, I guess my feeling is we're going to try to learn from them as well. So when a student comes, they're on the inquisition for me because I want to know everything they know. And then they can ask me questions too. So we'll share. <laughs> uh, but, but I like to learn about things and uh, I hope that doesn't stop. Uh, I guess one day it might, but I hope I don't realize it. <laughs> um, but if we, um, I think the challenge now is to uh, let's uh, get some enthusiasm in another generation of people and let's make this a good profession. Yeah. So I, I want to see lots of enthusiasm come in behind. Well, speaking, so, sorry, I cut you off. No, um, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, one of my questions is 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 are there unsung heroes because i've i've heard of it like i think okay veterinary clinic and i think of you too i think of, of doc uh, of, of the dr sydney's of, of dr north of dr wood but uh, the more and more i talk to you the more and more i realize you are there but you your team is super important so when people walk in who who else is there helping out i've heard of what does a vet tech do because they sound <laughs> like they're pretty heroic yeah uh, they're awesome too. I mean, they're, they're very similar to a, a nurse. I mean, they go to school uh, for two years, mm -hmm. so they have to have meet minimum requirements to do that and have, uh, you know, a, a background or an aptitude for animals and people yet again. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> so they're critical. I mean, they, they do a lot of things in a practice. Uh, they're sort of our right hand people and um, yeah, they're very, very valuable. And then, you know, we have a lot of people that that aren't necessarily formally trained, but they have an aptitude and they are, um, and we, we hire lots of people from different walks of life. Uh, if they've worked in customer service before, they often make wonderful veterinary receptionists with a little coaching and, and teaching. And there are courses that you can take for that as well. Okay. Um, there's our whole team is unsung heroes and sometimes clients don't realize all of the work that goes on behind the scenes. They may know their doctor's name, but they may not know the five or six other people in the, in, in the whole process that have, that have helped with their animal that day. That's, yeah. yeah. I was just thinking of when I talk about crying in your in your yeah. uh, waiting yeah. room. Uh, that someone nice offered me Kleenex, and just yeah. and also when I had questions about food or things like this, mm -hmm. or even just mm -hmm. walking in, mm -hmm. people can be in a high level anxiety. So to have a, a friendly face at your front mm -hmm. counter has yeah. been a marvel. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And <laughs> they have a they have a. I mean, everyone has their you know stresses and challenging but you know our girls up front boy they have to try to field and triage and deal with people that are having a rough day for another reason and yeah all those things i mean they they really um they are definitely very unsung heroes because no one quite knows what <laughs> everyone does everyone does so much in the back very much as a team for sure it yeah. sounds yeah it sounds yeah. like a great team um, I'm going to ask you for a second, Dr. Perry, because you've said a lot of people have come to you and said, okay, your book is this big. Uh, out of curiosity, because you were in their shoes once, and, and I'll ask you this too, were there vets that you looked up to that helped either into the Fort St. John area or 
I also like, is there, are there people that you two went, you know what, I learned a lot from this person or this person really helped pave the way for me up here or, mm -hmm. or general. Did, did you have any mentor? Well, did you have any mentors? Is a bad question. Is there anyone in particular that you're like, you know what, I, this was great. Or there's a whole team of them. Well, I think it's a team of them really, but, um, you know, you have to go back to why did you join the profession and things like that. And I think when I, I grew up on a farm and the veterinarian, I realized at a pretty young age that when we had some trouble, we couldn't look after that. That's who we called for some of this stuff. Right. So, so the veterinarian became the problem fixer for things that were not going well. And that I think drew me to, Hey, that's a pretty cool profession. Right. So, so then, uh, as you go through school, you have, I'm sure teachers that you, uh, really liked at the time. Right. And you learned a lot from, you go to work for people that you continue to learn from. So I, I started in a practice where we used to take our own farm animals too and things. So, so those fellows, um, uh, one of my classmates described it as remember the guys we went to work for when we graduated, he said, they knew everything. Right. And then he looks at me and he says, now we're those guys. <laughs> okay. So, so the thing is, it's a gradual process. Uh, Dr. Wood has laid some big groundwork in this practice. Uh, he worked, um, virtually alone for quite a long time, had some employed veterinarians. His first partner was Dr. Thiessen, I guess, in uh, 1979 when he came here. So Dr. Wood finished school in 67, right? So he, he looks great, by the way. <laughs> like I rode bikes with him and I never realized he's been doing it for this long. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he's been around a long time. So he's he's got quite a, a, a legend uh, behind him in some uh, circles. So we can still go to places and hear stories about Dr. <laughs> it's like, okay, he's, he's left some pretty big tracks, right? So I, I'm not sure I'm going to fill his shoes. I, I prefer to maybe walk just off to the side <laughs> so that I uh, don't have to interfere with his trail too much. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, all those experienced people, I think you, you get an admiration and a, a, a really good appreciation for them as, as you come along in your own career. So. I, mean, I hope I'm doing that as well. I've run into a few we'll young vets who said, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have anyone in particular? or Because I know that you said Dr. Wood's your uncle. <clears throat> Dr. Wood's my uncle, That's yeah. Nice. So, I mean, my, I, I've held most positions in the clinic other than a technician, I think. So, it's kind of been cool. But, um, yeah, so he's a huge mentor for me. And I think, you know, even when now is, as owners, um, Dr. Wood will, you know, yeah, he's just very encouraging. And one of his standard lines is, and I think all young veterinarians or anyone in the career, anyone alive really can think about it. it's not a hundred yard dash, it's a marathon. So pace yourself. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think that kind of sums up, uh, yeah, how we can all sort of. Yeah, he's probably pace looked ourselves. at burnout right in the eye a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. So he yeah. has a pretty good feel for. Mm -hmm. Uh, how to how to make the best of 
where you're at. Car- carrying on. Is what mm-hmm. you're at, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, speaking mm-hmm. of carrying on, it's neat because you have a lot of vets, including a family practice. I mean, mm-hmm. now your daughter is a, is a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, out of curiosity, so I'll ask two questions and you can take the one. One, uh, what is it like to work with, with family? Or two, uh, is it like when I went to my dad and was like, I'm going to be a teacher. The first thing he said was, no, you're not. And I remember going, but dad, it's a great fit. And he, he went, good luck. Um, yeah. So I guess my question is, is what is it like to work with family? Is it, it must be kind of neat. It also must be challenging. I remember because I went up, this is more of an interview about me. I yeah. apologize. But because yeah. no. dad and I would have different views on things and it created some really good conversation. Um, yeah. So yeah, what's it like to work with families is my first question. It's great, or you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a wonderful thing, and I think as uh, one of the things that I think is really cool about North Peace Veterinary Clinic now is that it has been able to maintain itself as a family practice, and we hope that will continue forever. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> uh, but you never quite know, you know, how how life is going to turn. But I think the biggest it's. Uh, it's great overall, but it is hard to, you have to make a conscious effort to separate, you know, cut off the, and we're not good at this, we'll, we'll admit it, right? We have a lot of business discussions or medical discussions sort of, you know, over dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to consciously, okay, that's that's work, let's move on to something else, move on, on to family. So the other members of our immediate family will sometimes go, okay, guys that's let's leave work at work yeah (laughs) so to me that's really the only negative thing is trying to find that balance but otherwise it's been great you mentioned dinners you guys are a a medical family are you the kind of family who like while you're eating is like well then you do like and just some of the weird details not weird details but like i remember my mom being or my sister is a nurse she went and then i saw a guy's brain as we're eating is that kind of like this conversation to your yeah, we've had those. <laughs> we got to admit, yes. <laughs> As an outside person, you might not. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Appreciate some of the conversation that happens, but that's, I think, only because it's familiar with the people talking about it, right? So it doesn't affect them because of the exposure and whatnot. Whereas someone just listening to it has to either tune it out <laughs> do, or, or maybe uh, help remind the people that, hey, that's maybe- redirect. We're eating spaghetti. Yeah. We're not yeah, going to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. this right redirect, now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> redirect. Yeah. Um, all right. There's, we're getting through a lot of these questions, which I really enjoy. Um, where do you guys go next? I mean, you've been 60, 60 something years is, is a long time. And you said you'd love to keep it in the family forever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so neat like that, that you have multiple generations in there where where are you going to go next with the with the practice where do you want to go with it or if you had the ability to look in the future what would you want to see i think even um right now for us we're still uh very committed to the practice and um although we would you know in the foreseeable future like to work a little less uh but but it's it's been great and um i think in our profession there's definitely a trend to uh, corporations buying uh smaller practices not small practices but buying practices and becoming corporate owned um that's not our dream uh we would like and family can be a loose word right i mean um even within we develop our own clinic family too right and so so if we can maintain that sort of um 
family identity, I think, is, is our goal and continue to be available for our, our community. That's been really important to us is making sure that we have, yes, sometimes we can't be available immediately, but we really try hard to, to triage and make sure that somebody is available in some capacity. Um, and that's really important to us and that for sure we want to maintain. We, as Perry mentioned, we're probably not in, you know, to, to renovate a bunch more. We've spent 15 years probably doing renovations in some form or another, I think. So yeah, so we're kind of happy year. to be, yeah, we're kind of happy to be where we are now. But there's new toys out, toys, I use that word <laughs> loosely, but there's new technology and things that we always kind of like to have a look at and stuff. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, so earlier through, I'd asked you and said, hey, do you have any favorite stories? And I loved the expressions that you both said when I asked that. Um, so there's, there's, again, two things here. Uh, I'm curious, are there any stories that you've really enjoyed about, you know, you know, I've really enjoyed watching new vets come in, or I've really enjoyed watching families. I'm now serving the, the children of parents that I threw, mm -hmm, that have mm -hmm. come through. Um, are there any stories that have stood out or have they just all been a really good book over the last 30 or so years? Well, I'd say the good book maybe fits better because it's hard to have a specific thing, right? Uh, what I find is each time you deal with a, a patient and the owner is you, it brings memories from before or other situations that that are similar or somehow a segue to that, right? So, so I think rather than one really important story, I think there's lots of stories, right? So, and every case, I tell this a lot, every case is unique and it's its own. So even though we think uh, some things are monotonous and dull, um, they, they really aren't in other ways, right? So, so you have to find that. I and I like to learn about not only the pet, but what's going on at home and how are your kids <laughs> and uh, how was your holiday and all those kind of things, right? So it's important to to have a human side, I guess. That's. Well, I, I think one of the questions I asked was uh, when I sent you questions was, is it hard to do things around? Uh, and then I was thinking about that question because you said, what do you mean by that? And uh, so I have friends who have moved here from Toronto and things. And when we go get milk, they are amazed because they're like, milk should take you five minutes. But in this town, it takes two hours because you keep bumping into people, whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, so I imagine that when you guys go do things, uh, unless you're very conscious of going, OK, I'm going in and out. I'm sure you've left the house at noon and you haven't come back till 10 because you've bumped into people. So, um, But yeah, same question. Has it has it all been kind of just a wonderful story or has anything in particular stood out and said, you know, I was really proud when this happened or is there? Yeah, I think I agree with Perry. There's lots of. Um and uh, lots of lots of wonderful. I mean, and don't get us wrong. There's there's days that aren't great, right? There's mm -hmm. bad days too. Um, for sure, it's not all uh, puppies and kittens, so to speak. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think uh, we're in a wonderful profession with a lot of opportunity, um, and we just kind of want to keep nurturing that so people create their own stories. It, yeah, it's it's actually pretty cool to be at your doc your your doctors, your daughter's graduation. And I just had a great feeling about being in that room with 80 brand new veterinarians coming out of the pipe that day, right? And I was mm -hmm. like, this is awesome, right? 
And uh, so, you know, we we did the veterinarian's oath at the beginning of the the banquet that night, and all the veterinarians in the room stood up, and it's like there is a slug of veterinarians in that room that day. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, so. it, it's neat hearing you two talk about it because you've talked about you know you you you've been in the business your book is big not only are you doctors you're also business owners and you're making sure that that side is running okay um, you're taking care of lots of things you have families you are trying to make this work-life balance but it's exciting to talk to both of you because you both light up still years after that you've began um and I'd be curious to know if there is any secrets to that. It's really hard to say, is there a silver bullet? But to, to compliment you both, it is neat to see and listen to you both talk about veterinary practice, because by all means, I'm sure there are times you've looked burnout in the eye yourself, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're here and it's just to see the smile. So thank you. It's been, it's been really fun that way. Um, thank you. Oh, <laughs> are there any? And you're welcome. <laughs> so on behalf of all the dogs that I've ever brought you and all the tears of pride and of celebration, um, I have a couple of things that we haven't really touched upon. But is there anything too that I'm missing, or anything? If someone said, you know, um, I should know this about the practice. Like I've been really, what I've really enjoyed in our conversation is, is I've learned that there are many people behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. When you walk in the door, it's not just the doctors who you're looking mm -hmm. at. Mm -hmm. I've learned that. Uh, this place up here, up north, brings its own unique challenges, which is both wonderful and sometimes hard. Uh, I've learned things like you, you have a team of people who are taking care and that your vet takes a lot of time learning about humans and about animals to make sure that everyone's taken care of. Uh, I'm sure tonight you'll wake up and be like, oh, I wanted to talk about this. Is there anything that's jumping to mind that we may have missed so far? Or are there places that people can go? Like, I know you have a wonderful website. Um, you do tips on the radio. If someone was curious about vets or the North Peace mm -hmm. Vet Clinic, are there places that we should send them other than into your doors? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, we're pretty approachable people. So yeah, if people have, especially, you know, if you're considering careers in veterinary medicine, whatever aspect of it, uh, yeah, talk, talk to people, talk to our team, talk to anyone in the field and in the profession, I think. Um, yeah, and get an idea of what opportunity might be out there for you. Yeah. Anything, yeah. Perry? Come to North Peace Vet Clinic. It's a great place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like, we like talk. Mostly we, well, I guess we're sort of proud of the place as well, right? But uh, we'd like it to be uh, there in the community and able to provide whatever is possible locally and... Uh, that's quite a bit different than places that are close to a large center because they don't they don't get the challenges we do. There's a specialist option or a, a, even a, a, a breed specific uh, practice as well or a species specific for sure. So we are we get to look at a lot of stuff is kind of cool <laughs> your books of experience are quite large <laughs> in in the breadth of it and something that you mentioned too that i just want to highlight it's neat because uh you guys are also community what you said about community driven is not only you're going to learn okay well jasper has two torn acls but ted how's soccer going and things like that like you guys <laughs> your whole team is very good at that and you're involved in the community i know uh, that you have different doctors who are involved in different aspects whether it's mm -hmm. the arts whether it's mm -hmm. sports mm -hmm. um so sound, your, your practice is very good at not just showing up to work and then retreating home 
you guys are the com your community. You're our neighbors, which is mm -hmm. really neat. So how do you guys find time to do that, by the way? It, does, does that have to be a conscious decision of going, I really want to ride my bike. I'm going to go ride my bike. Do you have to set aside that time? Mm, you do yeah. have to work at being able to. And there's still room for improvement in that oh, department. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's always room for improvement yeah. no matter what. But uh, yeah, it takes conscious effort, I think. Um, yeah, and something that uh, I still feel that we have things to learn yet, right? About about those, about yeah, the recreational we, part uh, of... We can of, always yeah, smarten up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you two for taking busy time, or time out of your busy lives. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure, and I know, yeah, again, I know I've been very complimentary of you, just because you guys... Y it takes a special type of person to be there through all walks of life, multiple times with families, and uh, we really enjoy it. So thank you so much. Uh, and thank you to our listeners. Uh, again, we have an episode every month. Uh, thank you again from Voices of the Peace. Thank you to our crew behind the scenes. We have a few people flipping switches and a few people publishing as well. Before I say goodbye, thank you to, did we miss anything? Or maybe oh, at 2 a.m. Yes, you'll wake yes, up. Yes, we did. Uh, yeah, okay. But I don't know what it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so from our, uh, from our microphones to your ears, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next month. This has been Ted Sloan and Voices of the Peace. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.